This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. This is a true story. I crashed Sam Mellinger's wedding reception. If you're a sports fan in the Kansas City area, you know darn well who Mellinger is. He's one of the sports columnists for the Kansas City Star, and he's done a remarkable job of carrying on the Star's rich history of talented sports columnists. When we started our company covering Kansas State sports in 1998, Sam was a student at the University of Kansas, and after graduating from KU in 2000, he went to work at the Star and began climbing the career ladder. I have literally watched Sam Mellinger go from a student to an award-winning columnist over the last 20-plus years. It's been really cool. Sam is one of the nicest guys in this business, and in a strange turn of events, when he was covering high school sports for the Kansas City Star, he was under the supervision of my brother, Mike, who was then an assistant sports editor at the Star. Sam has been a sports columnist at the Star since 2010, covering both a World Series championship for the Royals and now a Super Bowl title for the Chiefs. But in a span of a few months back in 2010, the star went from having nationally known columnists Joe Poznanski and Jason Whitlock to just Sam Mellinger. They soon after added Vahe Gregorian, once again giving them a dynamic one-two punch at columnist. I will eventually call Vahe, but for now, let's call Sam, who just completed a Zoom press conference with the Kansas City Chiefs. I told you he's big time. And I will tell the story of how I ended up crashing his wedding reception. Fitz. Hello, sir. How are you doing? What's going on, man? How are the Kansas City Chiefs today? <laughs> um, they're great. They're great. They're they're uh, focusing on like mental reps mm-hmm. and um, you know whatever. I've put on about a hundred pounds since I started focusing on mental reps. <laughs> Is that right? It's really worked out well for me. <laughs> How long you been doing that? Mm, most of my life. Yeah. 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 It's. Uh, but man, I'm telling you what. If a game breaks out, mentally, I am prepared. I will blow my because groin this out. This is like the but this is like the theory of ten thousand hours, right? Like, right, you exactly. become an expert by now. Yeah, that's that came up on an earlier podcast. Matter of fact, is that right? Ten thousand hours of you doing mental reps and gaining hundred pounds? No, Johnny Kane decided he was going to play the guitar during the pandemic, so he bought a guitar. He's going to learn how to play, and I said ten thousand hours, and you're an expert. 
I mean, I don't think he was I, that committed. You know what? Yeah, I, I want you to do a follow up with Johnny Kane. And I want you to see, like, call back, like, July 1st or something and just right. see how many of those 10,000 hours he's put in. He was doing home improvements. So uh, Johnny was really out of his element without baseball. To <laughs> Aren't we all? I know. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm good, man. Like, I, you know, I can't complain. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of ways that I have nothing to do with, I've been pretty lucky. You know the the stay at home thing is is pretty normal for me. Um, actually, the the only difference is uh, I'm doing my work up in the bedroom instead of you know downstairs with the office, just because you know we got a four and a six year old running around the house most of the day. So um, trying to stay out of their way, more importantly, out of my wife's way um, as she runs a, a tight ship on the homeschool. But um, you know how it is. I mean, it's it's not too different than, than what you're going through work-wise, right? Like you just yeah. find something to write about. I'm guessing that your yours is probably harder than than my life right now just because this is a slow time for you anyway, like yeah. in, in a normal year. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I'd like to put in this inappropriate comment that the four and six-year-old prove that you can get your work done in the bedroom. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> um, I... Thank you. You, you bet. And, uh, yeah, I'm working from home. I'm doing this podcast. It's really what's kind of keeping me busy. I do two of these a yeah. week for now, and I'm doing two of our PowerCat podcasts a week. D. Scott Fritchen is writing a ton. He's picked yeah, he is. that end of that. It's, it's pretty amazing. He sent a text to all of us um, in, like, April. I don't know how many content items he'd produced. But, seriously, it was, like, six a day. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how you did it, so it's fine if you slow down um, <laughs> to three a day, which is still pretty amazing in this time. <laughs> right. Three a day, right? Slow yeah. down to three a day. But it's been amazing how much news is actually happening around the pandemic. And, and uh -huh. uh, you know, I just did a Q&A with Gene Taylor for other podcast and and uh, so D wrote about some news that came out of that, how he's optimistic that it's going to be an all-in type of attitude from at least the power five schools that was before mm -hmm. the california thing started to break but uh it it is amazing sprinkling in what we call evergreen content a lot of lists and that kind of stuff which you got to do but with the stuff that's breaking we've actually stayed pretty busy it's been uh good and this podcast has been a lot of fun yeah it it is weird um how without anything going on, you do still find stuff going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for the first, um, I don't know, in, in my mind, it was the first two weeks, but it could have been just the first week or it could have been the first four weeks or whatever after everything got canceled. Um, we were all sort of news reporters, you know? Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think they, they sent either an email or maybe we had a Zoom meeting or I don't know. But, you know, it's just sort of like this is – the biggest thing to happen in years. This is the only thing that matters right now. Um, you know, some of you like strictly beat writers, like, you know, Herbie T.O.P. is going to still do chief stuff. Right. But, um, the, the, the rest of you, um, are basically writing about how this thing is, is impacting everybody. And I, I, um, you know, I hope you understand like how I say this. Um, obviously I hate that all this is going on. Um, and, and would turn back in a second, but for, you know, the first week or two, it was kind of, it was really interesting, you know, like I, um, you don't enjoy the work. That's the wrong way to say it, but it was just, it was, it was different. And I was like very motivated to do it. And, uh, and then you get through like whatever it was a week or two and I'm like, ugh, 
this sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, this, I have hit my expiration date. It, you know, fortunately, like around that time, it was, it was sort of, okay, like we've got enough news reporters, um, you know, you guys go back to, to kind of doing what you're doing. And, um, and it's still like, it hangs over everything, right? Like even, you know, like this morning, um, you know, when I had to reschedule, uh, this here show, it was, you know, the, the chiefs are doing their availability is, I think this is phase two of the off season. I don't know. Um, but they're, you know, it's, it's all on a zoom call and, you know, it just, it hangs over everything obviously, but, um, you know, just figure out a way to do it. I had this vision of you getting the email that there was going to be a zoom call with the chiefs and like you ran around your house, I've got something to do. There's news. <laughs> Cause you know, when those things happen, it's like, Oh hell yes. We have content. We have something yeah. to write about. Uh, and, yeah. and I'll be blunt. It, it kind of puts in context that we're kind of the, the sideshow of life, us sports sure. writers and all sports that now that we've moved on to really important things in life and you want to get back to the side show, you want to get back to the things that you enjoy, but we're not that important. We're just kind of, we're just kind of beating on a drum and everyone's listening and it's good for them. It's good for us. But when you really get down to it, uh, it kind of puts things in perspective. It does. Um, you know, I would like to think, um, you know, I'm not going to brag on myself about a lot, but I, I would like to think that I'm always aware that we're not that important. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, like, I'm very cognizant of the fact that, um, you know, like the thing I always say is like sports are the, the least important thing in the world until the moment that they're the most important thing. Right. And, um, and, and I think that then then we are a step removed from that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're, we're the ones writing about this, you know, not very important thing most of the time, but um, you know, it, it's also like, and look, I've actually, maybe this is, I'm, I'm, I've got dueling tangents in my head right now, um, but I've been kind of surprised at how uh, busy or, you know, how much work there is, you know, like how much stuff there is to write about during all this, whether it's, um, you know, little news bits that come up or, um, you know, there's no games, but, you know, Jeff Long is still screwing up a lawsuit at KU. <laughs> so, you know, I can, <laughs> I can write about that. So, um, you know, like, but I also think that, um, you know, they're not sports are just, they're just objectively, unimportant like you know in in the way of you know whether somebody that has a real job not like you and me but somebody that has a real job you know their, their ability to pay the bills or anything but i there is a part of me maybe i'm just naive or romantic or whatever but um you know times like this like uh the important stuff does come up you know what i mean like um you know i still get calendar notifications on my phone just because i'm a masochist and i haven't taken them out of you know every time that there's a royals game you know um like 10 minutes before the, the first pitch or an hour before the first pitch or whatever, my phone pops up or, um, you know, these little like baseball and soccer leagues that, that our kids were signed up for this spring. And, um, and it's a bummer, you know, and it, you know, if you just remove like the professional part of it, um, which, you know, for people without fake or without real jobs, like you and me, I mean, that's a huge part of it, right? Like, yeah. um, if, if games never happen again, I got to find something else to do. But, uh, if you can remove that part and just the personal part, like I really do miss a baseball game being on in the background, 
I miss like following, um, you know, is, is this going to finally be the year that, that Mondesi breaks out? I miss, you know, I miss all that stuff just personally of just being able to watch sports. But um, I've also kind of thought, and I realize I'm about three tangents in now, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if you think about it in these terms, and I know my mind works in weird ways sometimes, but um, we're all going to remember how we handled this. Right. You know what I mean? And And I'd like to think like, I'm trying to keep that in mind of, you know, when this is over, I want to be, and look, I'm, I'm not saying that I've been perfect by any stretch with like distancing and, you know, all that stuff. I'm trying, but I, you know, I'm flawed. Um, but I want to be able to look back on this time of, you know what, like I appreciated um, that, you know, as much as I miss baseball, I appreciated not having to be, you know, not getting home after midnight after, you know, covering a Royals game and, and instead being able to have dinner with the family and, and, and more time with the kids, you know, like our kindergartner started reading during this quarantine. Like that's been an amazing thing wow. to watch. You know what I mean? Like going to the park and playing baseball. There's just, you know, there's stuff like that that, um, and again, I know I've been lucky um, with my job and everything like that, but it's just things like that. I like, I, I don't know. You, you try to spend twice as much energy making sure that, that you enjoy it. I don't know. Are you feeling that way at all? Yeah, or yes, like I am. Freaking corny. No, no, it's, it's been amazing. Of course, we don't have children. Never question the wisdom of God. Um, and, uh, but we do have three dogs. So these poor dogs, the second we both go to work, are going to be like, what the hell's going on? What the hell is happening? Why are we in our kennels again? Why are we in these caged boxes? But uh, they're just having a blast. They're loving it. You know, until this week, the weather's been pretty nice. The door stays open and they run around the backyard. We got a big backyard for them. And they come in and they go out and they come in. This, this has been the great for the dogs. I think we can all agree on that. The pets are thriving in this pandemic. The rest of us, eh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, mentally, it's tough on me because, you know, I have to be careful. And sure. luckily, I have a lot of uh, experience with uh, when I was younger of cooties. So, I, you know, <laughs> I understand how we, this is pretty much like cooties right now. You just got to stay away from people. And uh, it's it's tough when you encounter someone who is more casual about things and you're trying to be diligent and you're sure. like, could you please, you know, then you're the dick step, step back, you know, just, and I, I, I yeah. know it doesn't, you're not worried about it, but I don't know where you've been. And if you've been somewhere you shouldn't have been, I'll probably be dead. So let's not, let's not mess around here. And uh, it's just the yeah. way it is. And, and I'm timid about this fall. I believe we're going to play football now in what, the timetable is and um, how that will manifest itself. I don't know if there'll be crowds, limited crowds, but I know this, I will be very reluctant to be in a press box in my situation. So I don't know if that means I'll be covering from home. It's just going to be awkward. And and fortunately I have a great team. They're, they're, they're amazing. Uh, I've got some, you know, really veteran guys that have, been with me or joining with me in the fall that know how to do things. They don't need me. That's, that's my greatest gift as a boss is I can make myself useless and my guys just take care of stuff. So Uh, it's good to be the boss. It's good to be the boss. I mean, look like if, um, you know, if you felt any differently than that, like I'd be questioning your intelligence. Right. Um, but it's like, I do think that, that with football, um, football is pretty well positioned in, in a lot of ways, probably the NFL more than college football, but, you know, just chronologically, 
it's it's a lot better to be you know a sport that's starting in you know late august for college and early september for for regular season games um for the nfl than it is major league baseball which is just hemorrhaging money right now um you know and and there there's also the other benefit that i that i keep thinking about with football is that they can push back you know, there, there's no reason that the national championship game has to be, you know, January 8th or whatever it is. There's no reason that the Super Bowl has to be, you know, February 3rd um, or whatever, whatever it's scheduled to be next year. Um, you know, they, they can make that March 3rd or April 3rd right. or whatever and still have a, an off season and a draft and, and all that stuff. So, that you know, they're, they're pretty well positioned in that. You know, it was interesting to me, like the, the NFL is, is kind of trying to, in some ways, it's sort of like that scene in Dumb and Dumber where, you know, uh, Lloyd Christmas has got, you know, he's just hands over his ears. He's like, la, 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 I can't hear you about <laughs> what's going on. Like, you know, business as usual or whatever. But there's also, um, I kind of think the NFL and, um, you know, I'm one of these people that, you know, is, is uh, complains or criticizes whatever uh, of some of the stuff that, that Roger Goodell does. But I think they've had a really great off season, right. you know, like uh, I thought the draft was, was beautiful. Uh, I thought Goodell showed a lot of, um, you know, courage is the wrong word, but um, conviction or whatever you want to say of, of, you know, being able to have the draft. Cause there are a lot of people pushing back on that, including his bosses, the owners. Uh, some of them were, were wanting to push back, but the execution came off terrific and the schedule came out and, and, you know, I think people can like on the surface just say like, what are you doing? Like you're just releasing the schedule. Like, um, like there's nothing going on but they didn't you know there, there's a lot of things that are you know sort of a layer or two down in that schedule that insulates the nfl that um you know the most obvious and, and jenny francis who's absolutely terrific um was the first one to point this out that every team has the same bias their week two opponent so you know if you can't start September 10th, that, that, that Thursday with the, you know, Texans are supposed to play here at Arrowhead, um, you know, and, and you can't start until week, whatever, five or three or eight, whatever it is. Um, if that happens to be your bye, you can just play your week two opponent then right. and, and, you know, just kind of push the rest of the season back. So, I mean, they're aware, you know, I think this is the way we all like to operate in our lives, right? Like um, you hope for the best. You know, you're, you're aware that this thing is sort of out of our control. And, um, but, you know, God, I hope that I can coach one of our little kids' soccer teams next month. I hope that, that we can take a weekend trip at some point. I hope that, you know, school's back in, you know, regular session in the fall, all these things. You're, you're, it doesn't mean you're not aware that that might change, but I think we all want to hope for the best. I agree. The NFL has handled this really well. You know damn well they have – plans for all other scenarios they're not just full bore ahead we're gonna play football that's not what they're doing that's what they're putting out publicly life is normal this is what we're gonna do and there's always that asterisk right there that says if possible it's a very interesting time of our lives you're right we'll always remember where we were how we handled it what we did and I'll be able to say that I did a podcast and made a lot of pee-pee jokes so that (laughs) That's saving mankind right there. They, I don't know yeah, if anyone they, else can say that. They'll never be able to take that away from you. No, you know what I mean? Like, no. No, no matter what else happens. If they don't play football, I've been saying it over and over, athletic departments are in huge trouble. They've got to have the For revenue. Sure. They've got to have it. And I think this pandemic has pushed major college football, power five football, closer to saying, okay, we're out of here. 
Uh, yeah. And, you know, we saw it this week with Mark Emmert. you got to be on campus to have football. And basically the, the five commissioners said, shut the hell up. Uh, <laughs> we'll make this decision. You just sit in your office in Indianapolis. This is about us, not you. Well, that's pretty independent of the NCAA, if you ask me. Now, Mac Brown, I see, is calling for a commissioner of college football. That seems to be another function of going independent, separate of the NCAA with major Power Five football. And I think that is going to hasten this. I think we're going to see the elite schools snap off. And and uh, I don't think it'll be simply as these schools are in and these schools are out. I think you, to get around lawsuits, you're going to have to say, this is what you need to do. You need to have this attendance, this budget, this, this, and then you can play at our table. And if not, don't be suing us. I mean, you, you made the decision. So I, I, yeah. it's going to be intriguing. That's interesting, man. Yeah. Um, you've thought about that kind of thing a lot more than I have. That's that's really an interesting thing. It is crazy how many different ways of life, you know, just all the, the tentacles that this thing has. And, right. um, you know, just all the way down to, you know, if they tomorrow just said, like, restaurants are open 100% capacity, um, would you go? No, no. Yeah, I would, I would I, go if I was healthy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take my family. But, um, you know, it is, it, it is wild. It is wild. I mean, and look, like, we all know, right, like you, me, and anybody um, interested enough to, to listen to this, that, you know, the, the call for uh, a commissioner or a czar, I always like it when they say when they want a czar, but uh, when they want, like, one person in charge, right, exactly, when they want one person in charge of, you know, college football, college basketball, or whatever. I mean, th- th- those calls have been coming for a long time, but it just it would be wild if the thing that, that pushed that to be a reality was, you know, just this deadly disease that came without a cure. My thing about restaurants is the same as face masks. I'd appreciate if people used an abundance of caution and did it. If I'm wrong, I've inconvenienced you and you had to wear a face mask for a month or so. And if you're wrong, people die. You know, I mean, I I don't think there's much comparison here. I deeply feel for the business owners. A lot of them are struggling. Um, Some have been able to pivot into really good situations with takeout. But a lot of them are really hurting, particularly in a college town. It's just been a disaster for some of these bars because they don't have any clientele right now. And I, I'm fearing that when the time comes to open, a lot won't open. And we'll just see what happens. These are kind of first world problems, right? But, um, you know, a neighbor did something really nice for us. And, uh, and so I went to, um, you know, their favorite restaurant to, to get them a gift card. You know, that's one of the things you hear, like buy a gift card, right. you know, at restaurants that'll help. And uh, I love this place. I mean, it, it, it is terrific food. And, um, you know, on a personal thing, it was like one of the last, it, it was a restaurant that, that I took my mom to, you know, the, the last time that she came to visit. Um, it, it's just, it's a wonderful spot. And, and I drove up there to get a gift card and just said close. And I'm like, ah, shit. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, that sucks. I hope they, I hope they come back, but yeah, it's going to be a completely different world. And, and like, I think some people, um, and you know, we all have personal choices or whatever, but some people when, when this, uh, when this opens back up, I mean, you know, there's a lot of lines are going to be out the door, yep. um, at some places where some people can't wait to, to get out of the house. You know, it's kind of sad, I guess, in some ways, uh, but my life is actually not all that different now. Um, other than, <laughs> you know, like the, the professional part is, is wildly different, right? Like I'm not traveling. Obviously there's no games to cover, but just personally it is 
kind of depressing sometimes like the the biggest difference is you know like we can't have a sitter over like we used to you know try to get a sitter over like every friday or saturday or every other friday or saturday you know just me and katie go out for dinner and we're not doing that and that's like the kind of the biggest difference right now and that is a pathetic life that i lead well we're not using our kennels and i think four and six-year-olds would fit in them pretty well <laughs> if you want to borrow yeah. them uh you can just lock the kids in them and go to dinner what the hell dude there was a time yesterday afternoon that I would have definitely put them in a kennel. <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine. Our friend Kellis Robinette just had his fourth, and I'm like, "What? Are, what are you yeah. thinking, man? Quit reproducing. Quit. Stop." Yeah, I have a friend that has. Uh, he has five kids, uh. and um, and he told me, and I, you know, I had that exact same reaction that you just had, and and he goes, "Look." I know this isn't going to make sense, but I'm telling you, if you can have three kids, you can have 26. It's like once you can get past three, <laughs> there is no limit to the amount of kids that you can have and keep your sanity. Now, I, I, that's two to three sounds like too big of a lift for me right now. So take your word wow, for that's, it. That's a good way to look at life right there. Oh, man. Yeah. 26 children. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Let me pivot here because uh, you mentioned something earlier about uh, baseball really struggling. What do you think John Sherman's thinking right now? My God, I've, I've thought about that a lot. I've thought about that a lot. I mean, he had a really good first, what, month or two months of owning the team, you know, where all these people all around town are saying these glowing things about him and um, you know, and he's embedded in this community and he's been a philanthropist and, you know, his motivations seem to be in the right places by all indications. And, um, he does seem like a, like a solid guy, straightforward, you know, um, confident where he should be humble when he, where he should be all those things. And then your $1 billion investment just goes to crap. Like, yeah, it is one of the all time, you know, like I bought a car, I bought a new car in January and um, I'm kind of kicking myself on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, not not really driving it much. Um, but that is, <laughs> I mean, just I can't imagine having spent, and it wasn't all his billion dollars, right? But um, any of those guys, like whatever the franchise value, if they tried to sell right now, obviously they take a huge loss. They're not, you know, they're, they're going to lose money, um, I would assume. You know, their, their payroll, I think, was set to be like 26th in baseball this year. But still, I mean, it was 70-some million dollars. And, you know, that revenue is just not coming. So they're going to get a new TV contract. Um, I don't think that's been finalized. I mean, yeah, it's just um, – yeah, like I, like I, I joked to a friend the other day, the, the world was a much better place when David Glass owned the Royals. You know, <laughs> we didn't have pandemics. Was, exactly. Uh, yeah, I look at this and I'm thinking, well, first of all, if I get into financial trouble, I got some friends I can call up and say, hey, can you flow me some money? When you're John Sherman, you don't have friends that you can just call up and say, hey, can I borrow $100 million <laughs> right. to tide me over, to get me through this stretch? Right. And and I'm looking at this, you know, people are like, ooh, so-and-so owns some of the Royals. It would take $10 million to own 1%. Right. I mean, it's just unfathomable to me. Right. $10 million, right. you own 1%. And what do you get for that? Nothing. You don't get a, you don't get a box. You don't get anything. You're, you're 1%. You're meaningless. It's just the numbers are dumbfounding to me. And I, yeah. I feel badly for him. But when those gates open up, 
I think the the stadium and you're safe. I think the stadium will be full. I think people will be like baseball. Let's go do it. Yeah, and and um, you know the other thing about those owners. I mean, first of all, this is obvious, right? Like too obvious for me to even say it, right? But um, you know, none of them are, are worried about like if they can have dinner tonight, right? Or, or like um, if they can make their house payment. Um, they're doing fine, but they're also um, you know buying a baseball team is not a a two-year investment, right? Like, I mean, you want to ideally, I think John is like around 60. Um, So if, if you're John, I think you're expecting to own that team for the next 20 years. And, um, you know, nobody knows what, uh, like cable, what TV contracts will do, but you're expecting maybe to break even or make a little bit year to year, but then make your money when you sell. And so, you know, that still might happen. Um, right. I mean, you, you don't know what it's going to be like in, in 20 years, but, um, you know, there, there's also a lot of players. I don't think a lot, you know, people don't realize this and, and we can all have opinions about, um, about this, but there's a lot of baseball players that live check to check, yep. um, you know, whether they should or shouldn't. And, um, you know, they're, they're hurt. Like they really do need to worry about, um, you know, can I stay in this house or, or whatever. And look, maybe you, you want to criticize financial decisions. That's fine. That's fair. But, um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of things going right beneath the surface there about, you know, when we come back, what that needs to look like, what the pay needs to look like, what the safety needs to look like. I, mean, uh, I do not envy those who are, you know, making those decisions with, you know, I mean, literally billions of dollars and, yeah. um, you know, this sounds hyperbole, but it's not like billions of dollars and lives at stake. You know, if you get this wrong. Yeah. If you're a baseball player, particularly if you're on the front end of your contract, you buy a house, you buy a car, you do this, do that, because the paychecks will be coming. They're coming. Yeah. And then they don't yeah. come and you're probably in a little bit of a bind. But I would imagine a lot of lenders right now are, I'd hope, are being a little more sympathetic that, Okay, your job will come back. It's going to be all. It's going to be good, but we'll see. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe baseball never come back. Maybe we'll just all become fans of South Korean baseball, and we're like, this is as good as our stuff. Yeah. I did watch that first night. Um, I mean, it, it was a coincidence, but the first night that um, that that was on, I couldn't sleep for whatever reason. Excitement. And, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't any like I'm not like tossing and turning in bed, worried about that. Yeah, just you know, it's one of those nights I couldn't sleep, and um, so uh, I did what you would probably expect me to do. I went downstairs and I poured a drink, and um, and I turned on the TV. And I mean, I you know, the, the first game was like rain delayed, which I'm like, give me a freaking break, right? Like, <laughs> I'm already it's already midnight, and I'm watching this game in South Korea. And now you're putting it on a rain delay. Um, but I watched the first three or four innings and, uh, the broadcast was, uh, and I say this endearingly and, and without like not mean spirited at all, but the broadcast was pretty terrible. You know, uh, there, there were just too many logistics for them to go through, but I loved it. Um, they were doing their best, um, you know, and, and I absolutely loved it. And then after about three or four innings, I'm like, come on, come on. you've got, <laughs> you've got a day tomorrow. Like let's, let's go to bed. But, uh, it was nice to see something live, you know, uh, there's going to be German soccer this weekend. That'll make some people really excited. Cause that's a good level of soccer. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. That shows all my knowledge of soccer right there. <laughs> right there. That's what is it, the Bundesliga League or something? Bundesliga, yeah. There we yeah. go. 
That was close. Yeah, yeah that was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah you had the boonish and then like once yeah. he went to Schmerz. That's where you lost it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to all be fine eventually. We're so divided right now. Uh, and it's in the sports world. You, you see the people, some people are freaking out, like, you know, running around like, ah, and then other people are like, ah, oh, just calm down. We'll, it'll, it'll, we'll get back to here. And, and, you know, I, too many people think it's no big deal. And too many people think it's the Spanish flu. Could we just meet That's up really in the well middle said. and, and yeah. just kind of get together on this and, and try to figure out a pathway forward. This is not our new reality. Our new reality yeah. might be different than the old reality, but this isn't it. And quit saying that. And for the rest of you who want to walk around, like nothing's going on. Some of us are compromised, but need to go out on occasion, I've been out four times in two months. Yeah. Four times. But sometimes you need to go out, whether it's to actually pick up something or just for mental health. You need mm-hmm. to get out. Could you not walk up to me, not come up behind me and actually brush past me as you walk by me in a store? Be respectful. Yeah. Just uh, and that's that's the most troubling thing I've seen here is and I think it's social media. We don't respect each other enough. If we have differing opinions that we might just say, okay, I'll make this person comfortable by doing this. That's really well said, man. Yeah, that's really well said about, um, especially about, you know, there's too many people who think we're all going to die. And there's too many people who think like nobody's dying. Right. Um, you know, I think that's, that's really well said. Like, um, I, I guess, you know, I think you're the same way, like tend to try to be optimistic. Um, yeah. and, and I remember when this thing, when at first, like maybe after sports, kind of got canceled, um, within that first week. And I was just kind of thinking like, ah, you know, like kind of some, some symbolism about, holy crap, like this thing started, you know, wherever, like some farm or whatever in China. And now it's, it's, it's everywhere. Just, you know, it shows how connected we all are, like the entire right. world, um, how connected it is. And, and it's been really easy over the last few years, um, to feel like we're all disconnected and we're all kind of living different lives. And maybe this will show that, you know, we're all in this together and blah, 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 blah. And then it's just, that's not how it, I mean, like, you know, we, we live in a world now where, um, the way that you vote politically, um, in a lot of ways is determining how you look at this thing. Um, and that just, that makes no sense to me. Like, you it yeah, how you vote politically should uh, has nothing to do with like how you look at a disease of, of science. But there's way too much confirmation bias. Like there's way too much just trying to right. pick out what you already think and and trying to find that in the world and and not enough of. We all do. You know, I guess this is exactly what you said. Yeah, of, of not trying to. Oh, you think that? Well, you're a smart person, and maybe you're thinking about this in a different way. So, you know, please, please tell me. And you know, Twitter's the worst place for that, yep. obviously. But um, you know, just I don't know. There's probably no way to get there, but I wish there was more of that in the world. Well, you know, my thing about Twitter is I I love it uh, for the shenanigans. But when you drill down on a topic, if you go click on a link, you're just amazed at the responses that here is a collection of idiots on this side of the argument. Here's a collection of idiots Uh on that side of the argument. And they've all found each other and they're happy because now they can convince each other they're in the norm. That they're not on the edge of of society they are in the center of it because look at all these people that think just like i do you can find a a group of 50 idiots on any topic if you want to take a photo of them and put it on twitter sure the idiots have all found each other on social media so now they're gathering 
It's like a giant magnifying glass and we look at all the wrong things with it. Even a step further, it's a magnifying glass that you can move or tilt or whatever to find exactly what you're looking for. Right. And, and that's, um, you know, that can be kind of a dangerous thing. It seems like whatever the scale of whether we're talking like politically or, or anything else, if it's zero to hundred, um, and you come at it and you're at 55 or 60, if you just go on Twitter, um, those algorithms are going to start to push you. Yeah. And if you're 55 to 60, now you're going to be 60 to 65. Cause that's all, that's kind of what you're exposed to. And now you're going to be 65 to 70. And just, I, I don't think that does any good. And I think our, our politicians on, on both sides, like kind of pander to, you know, the, the wrong ideas and the wrong motivations. And we're going to solve the world on this podcast. This is going to be kick ass. People are going to listen to this podcast and go, those two monkeys figured it out. <laughs> Let's talk about the Chiefs. Uh, look, uh, you know, I was just thinking this before I called you up. There's been a lot of great sports columnists at the Kansas City Star, and and you boys are carrying it on. I mean, you guys, it's it's just been amazing. Uh, That's cool of you to say. Man. String of you know, I'm connected to the Star through my brother, but I have aside from that. Uh, I have so much respect for the Kansas City Star as sports journalists and the way it's practiced sports journalism for so many years. And I always feel like the columnists bring something unique to the table. But uh, no matter how good guys like Poznanski and Whitlock were, they didn't cover a World Series championship and a Super Bowl <laughs> championship. So screw them. Sam got to do that. <laughs> That's pretty cool, <laughs> That's man. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, no, it's it's been amazing. At first, like I think you know this um, without me saying it, but um, everything you just said about me, I feel just as strongly about you. Um, and, and and I want you to know that um, here, where people can hear, it, you are tied for my favorite Fitzgerald brother. <laughs> Mike's pretty cool. Mike and I are so yeah. opposite; it's unbelievable. You for really people. are. Like I, I, and I think I've told you this before, but. Uh, uh, and, and the reason that you're tied, I mean, your brother like gave me my job at the start, um, but you guys are so different that I knew both of you for years. And despite you having the same last name, I never considered that you guys were brothers. Exactly. Like it just didn't hit me until somehow it got brought up. I think, I think your brother brought it up or something, but, um, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, um, look like I, I think that I could do the job that I have now, which I love. Um, I could do this job for a hundred more years and not have more fun working than that 2014 and 15 postseason. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was just absolute. like, um, I mean, every part of it, every level of it from, you know, 29 years and, and, you know, not just 29 years, but, uh, some of those years were dog years, you know what I mean? Like 2004 yeah. through 2006, <laughs> when they lost 310 games in three seasons, um, you know, the idea of the Royals winning the world series was less believable than, you know, aliens coming down, forming a major league baseball team and them winning the world series. You know what I mean? Like, I exactly. think you might've bet on the, on the aliens. And then just those games were so incredible. I mean, every game just felt like the world was at stake and every game it felt like the Royals were down seven, one in the eighth and then came back. Um, it, it was, I've never felt more connected to readers to Kansas city than I did during that run. And, um, you know, and, and everything 
in that was true in a lot of the same ways with with the Super Bowl run, including all these wild comebacks. Yeah. You know, so and, similar. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and another part that was similar is that uh, the same way that for years and years, for decades, uh, it was impossible to imagine the Royals being in and winning a World Series for years and years and decades and decades. It was impossible to imagine the Chiefs having any quarterback that wasn't somebody else's backup. You know, and yeah. then so like for this guy to come in and um, I mean, he is just like an absolute unicorn in, in every way. And, and at some point there's going to be a flaw, right? Like, I don't know what it's going to be, but if you try and like close your eyes and think about how this guy's successful, you know, the things that you try to look at, like, um, you know, physical talent. Okay. Like 12 out of 10. Right. Um, but okay. Well, physical talent, there's a lot of guys that are physically talented, but, um, they're not smart. You know, they don't process right. like this guy is a freaking computer. Um, okay, fine. But maybe there's not a work ethic. The guy's like one of the hardest workers on the team. Okay. What, what leadership, like do his teammates respect him? 12 out of 10, you know, like the, the only thing that you can imagine is like, you know, it's, it's sort of that, um, that thing that happens to all of us, not just athletes, but you know, human nature of once you start succeeding, do you continue to work right. just as hard? And, and at least in the short term, it, it's, you know, I don't want to sit here and make it sound like I think the Chiefs are going to go 19 and 0 for the next five years, but it, it's hard for me to imagine anybody in that organization thinking that one Super Bowl is enough when you have that quarterback surrounded by this kind of talent with wow. that coaching staff. And that's the thing that I keep coming back to. Like, they may, it's going to have to be a different motivation. You know, but um, they still have plenty, plenty to go for. And it's it's also like it's just the other thing that blows my mind is there's bursts, right? Like um, like I thought that, you know, I might get my years off by one or two here, but like KU had a, a basketball team in the early 2000s where, uh, you know, Heinrich and Boshi and all those guys, um, they led the nation in scoring. And that was just such a fun team to watch. Um, you know, that, that Jake Poland team um, with Danny Clemente at K-State was, right. you know, so fun to watch. The 2013, I think, Mizzou team um, that was like Kim English and Marcus Denman and those guys, so fun to watch. Um, you know, there, there's little like micro, and I'm just picking out local examples, obviously, but there's little like micro bursts like that that you, you, regardless of your rooting interest, like that is a damn fun team to watch. And, and the Chiefs are set up to be that into the next five years and, and maybe beyond. It's like sort of how I imagine every 12 year old around like 2010 or so was like a Miami heat fan, you know, mm -hmm. LeBron and Wade and all that. I feel like every eight to 12 year old right now around the country, like, I mean, how would you not be interested in the chiefs? And that's, that's the team yeah. here. It, re it really is pretty remarkable. Well, Patrick's amazing. I mean, he's just amazing. And you, you're right. You, you keep looking for the flaw so far. I've found uh his brother's TikTok to be annoying, but I don't have to look at that. So I can l overlook that flaw and that's about right. it. That's what I've got so far. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. You know, and maybe, maybe, build on that. maybe it'll end up being injuries. Maybe he'll end up, uh, you know, yeah. with an ankle or a knee almost every season. And, and the chiefs were able to hit the right cycle for him to be healthy during the postseason. I don't know, but it's, it's been incredible. Yeah. And, and it's been fun for me because I cover, college so i can keep that pro sports in my back pocket for fandom which as you know we kind of give up in this industry so it's for been sure. it's been a lot of fun to be able to go to a royals game in the postseason and watch uh -huh. the chiefs you know win a super bowl i freaking cried sam 
I broke yeah. down and cried because this has been my team my whole life. And as you mentioned, they just kept, you know, not getting there. They're just, yeah, they're, we're good this season. Oh, we lost in the first round, you know, the, over yeah. and over and over when they broke the long run and it sealed it. I just started crying. It was like, I, it was I, out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, this is pathetic, but this is awesome. But this is pathetic. I'm crying over yeah. football. <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean, it's, um, it, it's a hell of a thing, man. I mean, cause for 50 years, uh, the chiefs, they, they kind of went back and forth between just being absolutely horrendous. And then, um, in the good years being just good enough to break your heart. And, and I do hope, but I'm glad to hear you say that, that that's how you watched it because, um, you know, as much as, you know, me or anybody else can sit here and, and talk about, you know, if you've got this kind of quarterback, um, with a Super Bowl and an MVP before he's 25 years old and surrounded by all this talent, um, you got to do more than one Super Bowl, um, the one Super Bowl should be celebrated, and you know. By the way, the the team celebrated the hell out of it at yeah. um, the parade. But there's also, I, I do think it's worth remembering, um, even with and and they got some stars on this team, um, you know, and and not just that, but stars that complement each other. Like if Tyree Kill played on a different team, you know, a conversation would be, can you imagine if Tyree Kill was with Patrick Mahomes? Right. And and that's what they have, but they still had to get a lot of breaks. Dude, you know what I mean? Like they got really lucky. That that's a team, that's a franchise that, you know, as much as all these other like very fair criticisms can be lobbed at them and have been, they, they've also had a lot of bad luck through those years. And and last year, it all flipped, and and they got a ton of good luck. I mean, you know, you can think about like certain plays in the Patriots regular season game, or you can think about you know how um, you know Patrick Mahomes' knee looking deformed only kept him out two games and, and they won one of them or, um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick winning in Foxborough, um, you know, to give on, on week 17 to give the chiefs the bye or, um, Mitch Holtis was the one that pointed this out, but that loss in Tennessee pushed the chiefs ahead of like the Ravens and the Seahawks and some other teams on the waiver wire. So they were able to get Terrell Suggs who couldn't go to Baltimore. And then they ended up getting the buy anyway. And then when Baltimore lost to um, Tennessee, they ended up getting the AFC championship at home anyway. I mean, it, you know, Garoppolo missing Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl. I mean, there, there's just a million things that were outside of their control that, um, that they hit on. And that doesn't mean that they're not a good team. There's no Super Bowl winner in the history of football that's ever won without some luck. But it's just, you know, it's important to remember, I think, important to remember that it's more than good. You, you have to have some luck along the way as well. I agree. It's, it's, it was a blast. It was awesome. And the reality of our profession is uh, when you have grown up in the region, um, even if you're a sports writer, hell, I don't know. I've never covered a team that I've never been connected to. Like I, I didn't take a beat writing job in Baltimore. For example, I came real close when I was young of getting a, a columnist job at the, the Portland, Maine newspaper, which covered Boston sports. And so I would have had, I'd been covering Boston sports and I would have had no connection there. So how would I have felt if the Patriots won a Super Bowl? You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know, but it's impossible for, for me not to wish fortune upon the teams I cover because it's more fun for me. It's sure. you, you don't want to cover those Royals teams that are losing, losing, losing. You you can you can scream unbiased all you want, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you would prefer success over failure for anything around you, not just the teams you cover. You know, Bob Dutton, who I learned a ton from, and was the Royals beat writer for for some of their worst teams. 
you know, he used to say, uh, I don't root for for the team. I don't root against the team. I root for me. <laughs> and uh, and that's, that. that's kind of, yeah. And I don't think I've written anything that's been 2015 Royal stuff or 2019 Chief stuff. And that wasn't, you know, as much as I'd like to say, that's because I was just knocking it out of the park. I mean, it's just because people, people are interested in it. So, um, you know, in addition to people being more open and, and talking to you and everything, um, I mean, it is just sort of plainly good for business. It, like, it's it's a hard thing to explain, though, and um, and part of it's because I don't know how to explain it of of what these jobs do to you as a fan. You know, like at least for me, like I just don't think that I'm good enough to watch a game rooting for a team that I'm covering and being able to write about that team. Like I, like I, I just can't, I can't do both. Right. Um, and so I feel like my role in that is just sort of to tell the, the best story that, that I possibly can. Exactly. And in order to do that, you kind of have to turn this other thing off. It doesn't mean the way that I follow sports is, is better or worse than the way that I followed it before I had this job. It doesn't mean it's better or worse than, um, you know, my friends, most of whom are, you know, big chiefs and Royals fans. It's just, it really is hard to explain. You know, you're just as interested um, you're kind of living it in a different way. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's just not, you know, when, when Sal Perez popped up, um, you know, for the final out in, in game seven in 2014, um, you know, my first reaction is sort of like, okay, Gordon would have been thrown out by a thousand feet. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like now let's start writing and, and you go into that. And then, you know, you start to process a little bit later. It's just, it's just a totally different way. And it's, I, I get that it's foreign to people. Um, it to, is, to, yeah. you know, to, to our readers. Uh, and it would be foreign to me if, um, you know, if I was working for a living and, and was hearing somebody with this job talk, it's just, it's, but it is, it's totally different. I handle it with relentless sarcasm. Um, yeah. you know, good or bad. So I, I, I know I, buddies, Hey, can you come tailgate? No, I'm working. I'm, right. I'm working. Uh, mm-hmm. how cool was it to watch that? Uh, Dan, I'm like, well, I was, I was working, you know, I wasn't rooting for the K-State. It's nice. They won. I'm happy they won. It's good for me. It's good for my company. But the other side of that is when the crap happens and then you've got to really step back and say, my job is to cover this situation. And I'm seeing a lot of KU beat writers go through it right now. It's good for my career. If KU basketball is successful and wonderful, but we've got a mess here right now with KU athletics, be it the handling of the lawsuit, which has just been absurd or now the NCAA thing, uh, you got to do your job at the end of the day, you got to yeah. do your job. And, and then, pe- then the people that know you are like, why are you doing that? Well, it's my job. It's, it's yeah. my job. Yeah. And I've noticed too, um, you live in this world. Um, obviously, uh, the, uh, College fans, um, and I get it, uh, college fans take these things, it seems to me, uh, more personally yeah. than, than pro teams. And there's there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, college is, it is personal. Um, you know, a lot of us spent some of the best years of our lives in college. Um, as far as I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it, it is wildly different of, um, you know, the reaction you get when, when you're critical of something. Uh, but, you know. That's that's how it goes. There's no other way to do the job. Yep. I probably made a lot of people angry when I called for Bruce Weber's firing a number of years ago, and they were able to come back and say, "Well, you were wrong." And but you know what? I wrote what I believed at the time, and that's totally. I'm, I'm at peace with that. Yeah. You know, whether I was wrong or right in the long run, 
I'm at peace that I did what I believed uh, was the right thing to say at the time. So it's yeah. I've never heard you say this. You probably talked about it, um, but what what was it like with Bruce? Like after after you write that stuff, I always thought Bruce is you know sensitive but still a professional. Um, anyway, I'm just curious. Yeah, like, no, what, did you guys have like a side conversation? Not really. I just kind of went about my business uh, doing my job. Yeah. It was the assistants that got kind of kind of childish yeah. at times. But um, I had Bruce on our video show, The Power Chat. And I confronted him, you know, I said, Hey, I wrote it. I, I was obviously wrong. You've been very successful since basically the day I wrote that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, cause it really was, it was, it was that season where they ended up getting into the first four, which I hate, which, mm-hmm. you know, you can look back at the first four and say, Bruce Weber, that's, that's the guy who got saved by the first four. Cause without mm-hmm. that, maybe he doesn't make it. And then they turn the corner and they win a championship. They get an elite eight. And then they went, mm-hmm. you know, it's just crazy what happened. But he, he just kind of shrugged it off like, yeah, you're doing your job, you know. So, yeah. But, yeah, he gets sensitive at times. And other times he's like, I get it. And maybe it's just the emotion of the moment. But mm-hmm. um, And yeah. he, he is. They're all emotional on some level. No, but I've, I've thought that uh, that Bruce is, you know, above average in in the level of emotion. Yeah. I, that's part, uh, of, part of what makes him him. Yeah, exactly. It is. Um, I consider Frank Martin to be a good friend. And you know, that, that was awkward when I was covering him, but now it's easier to just say that he's a good friend, but I've made Frank Martin a hell of a lot more mad at me than, than Bruce Weber. But you know, I mean, the dog farting can make Frank Martin mad. So, (laughs) you know, I love Frank, but he's, he's got the temper. So uh, it's just, it's just a nature thing. Sometimes you do get close to people. You mentioned it. And sometimes you got to write things that they won't like, but Again, it's it's the job, and it's just it's kind of a weird life we live. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And Sam, before we wrap this up, I want to thank you for uh, letting me crash your wedding reception. It <laughs> was a meaningful moment. It's the first and only wedding reception I've crashed, even if I didn't know I was doing it. That was such a strange moment. I'm sitting in a bar in Kansas City at my favorite hotel because I think I had something in Kansas City the next day. I can't remember even why I was there. And in you walk on your wedding day from upstairs at the President Hotel into the drum room. And there you were. (laughs) Sam, why are you in a tuxedo? Fitz, there's only one person I would have rather seen on my wedding day. <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, that was that was weird. Um, so we got married. Um, you know, is I remember the date. By the way, it was uh, February 18th. Good. So I don't know if there was like some basketball. I can't remember why you were up there. That's something that you should remember. I was doing a lot of KU Med back at the time for some okay, issues. Yeah. So I think I might have just gone up on Saturday. I don't know. I, I love the drum room so much that I would find it's a great bar. To it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it was, was it was it was so surreal. It's like, oh, I know this groom. Like my <laughs> friend the bartender, uh that's how often I went to the drum room. I have a friend my bartender friend yeah. said, Hey, though the groom just walked in and turned around, that's Sam Millinger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a fun and a late night. And, uh, and we're still going all these years later. That's good. Yeah, we just passed thirty. Um, I'm really shocked that my wife doesn't have a drinking problem based on 30 years of marriage to me, but <laughs> kudos to her. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think she handles it by quietly plotting my demise in her brain over and over different ways to get rid of me. And but it but, sounds like you're onto her. Yeah, but she never acts. So it's okay. If she wants to, that's how she wants to handle it. 
Brother, I appreciate it very much. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you got fun stuff to cover. Fun stuff to cover in our business <laughs> yeah, exactly. is good. Is good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, it's good to talk with you. Uh, yeah, I think you know that. Uh, but it's always it's always good to I guess hear your voice now instead of see your face. But um, yeah. hopefully I can see your face at a at a stadium soon. My face isn't that good. But uh, as soon as this thing really is passed and everything's safe. I'm going to be hugging everyone, so be warned. There we go. Okay. Okay. Thanks for the heads up. (laughs) Good to talk to you, brother. Yeah. Hi, man. Sam is such a good dude and a remarkable storyteller. He's one of those people in the media that makes me grin every time I get to see him. From L.A. to Texas to Boston and now three friends in the Kansas City area, I plan to keep doing these podcasts for a while. We're approaching 20, and as soon as we can begin to emerge from this and return to lives more like normal, men over 45 go get that PSA score to help detect the possibility of emerging prostate cancer. Take care, everyone. I will talk to you real soon.